BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. On this edition of the Cubs Talk podcast brought to you by Wintrust, home of Cubs checking, I talk with Mark Gonzalez of the Chicago Tribune. We discuss Chris Bryant and Anthony Rizzo hitting in the one-two hole. We talk about Joe Madden and Theo Epstein's relationship now that some comments have come out of camp regarding Joe's philosophy and Theo's philosophy, and they don't apparently mesh. Let's play two. Back, 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 back. Way back, it might be, it could be, it is. Holy cow! The fly, he scores! Cup win! Cubs Talk Podcast on NBC Sports Chicago. I'm David Kaplan. Our podcast is always brought to you by our great partners at Wintrust, home of Cubs Checking. And we go to Arizona and we get to talk to Mark Gonzalez, the outstanding beat reporter on the Cubs beat. He's been on the baseball beat for a long, long time for the Chicago Tribune. All right, Gonzo, we hear the news break. I saw you write it in the trib that Chris Bryant will be the leadoff hitter, Anthony Rizzo in the two-hole. Do you like this from a Cubs offensive perspective? Because Theo and Jensen's losing Dexter Fowler have been pretty consistent. Yeah, it's kind of overrated to have a leadoff guy. Now they're putting their best hitter there. Yeah, I don't think it's overrated by any means. I think it's very important. You saw what happened last year with the struggles they have, specifically when they put Kyle Hendricks and um, Jason Hewitt up there at different junctures, and their production really suffered when they were put up there. And it really they didn't have many choices. And I think in this case, uh, David Ross thought long and hard about this. Certainly there are some risks to it, but Chris Bryant did it in college, uh, did pretty well for himself. And I think at this stage in his career, he kind of relishes a, a different dimension, different look. And I think that this may end up energizing, invigorating a lineup that, quite frankly, at times sputtered. Uh, you never knew what you're getting at certain points. So uh, this also puts some some uh, scrutiny on the middle of the order. But for now, the big issue is the top of the order. So Chris Bryant has got two years of control left. His RBI numbers have decreased. Now some of that is his, you know, own doing because he got injured or he didn't hit in certain situations, but a lot of it is not on him. They didn't have guys on base in front of him. How does this moving to the leadoff spot affect Chris being able to compile numbers to be able to get a big contract in free agency? I think everybody's spinning it by saying that uh, the big number is 11, and that's the postseason wins in order to win the World Series. They think that if uh, they're able to 
uh, generate enough offense and get this thing going, then, it t- then the money and, and the winning takes care of itself, not in that order. Uh, certainly, Chris has some work to do. We all saw him struggle against the Brewers and Cardinals chasing outside pitches. But if he gets on base and the guys drive him in, all is good. And I, but I think Chris knows he needs to, 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 to patch up a few things, but certainly he's not far off. Do you think Chris Bryant can get back to the guy he was in 16, or is Chris Bryant just not the impactful super superstar, very good player, but not at the top of the food chain among third basemen? The latter is what I've heard anonymously from from certain scouts I do think he can come back and, and, and put up 2016 numbers. That is based on his health, uh, shoring up the strike zone. And this might seem a little crazy, but at times I think he might need to shorten up with two strikes, that hack that Joe Madden used to talk about. I'm not saying all the time, but for certain pitchers, you might want to take that into consideration because I think – He's at the leadoff spot, and if there's two strikes, he can bet from a right-hander. He's going to see a down-and-away breaking pitch. Chris Bryant in the leadoff hole gives you an elite base runner. Not the fastest base runner, but one of the best base runners in the game. Anthony Rizzo in the two-hole allows you to have perhaps your two best hitters. Javi Baez would probably beg to differ, but certainly two of your three or four best hitters. And you go righty, lefty. Do you like the top of the order? Yeah, I do for, for a few reasons. And these guys have a chance to be really deluxe. I mean, second, you go to the righty, lefty, righty uh, setup, which is very, very important now that you have rules stating that uh, relievers must face at a minimum of three batters uh, or, or you know, have to finish an inning. I think that's very important now. And I think in the case of Javier Baez, you know, he, he was on track to driving 100 runs last year before he had the, the thumb injury. And I think this gives him, gives him even more opportunities to, to reach the century mark. The order sounds like, correct me if I'm wrong, you'd go Bryant, then you go Rizzo, then you go Baez, then you go Schwarber, then you go Contreras, then you go Hayward, and so the first six, three righties, three lefties, and with the change to pitchers having to face relievers, that is, uh, three batters, it really makes it tough on the opponent. Is that by design, or that's just the way it's stacked up? I think that's the way David Ross would prefer it. He does like the left, the righty-lefty, righty matchups, especially with the new rules. But I think also that um, these guys are kind of comfortable in, in certain slots like that. And I think that um, certainly when you see see a guy heavy that you're used to uh, seeing a, a way he looks at pitches and, and approaches things, I think it lends itself to more familiarity and, and, and in their case, hopefully more success. So, Gonzo, if you had to put a number of wins today on this baseball team, I had said 82 and 80. Maybe this team stays healthy and it's an 84 win team like they were a year ago. Where are you on the Chicago Cubs of 2020? I, I was at 85. I think um, I might be a little optimistic there just based on I think that certain guys are going to have rebound seasons, but I think a lot of that. Uh, 
is is going to be a matter of whether the starting pitching uh, can give him more length, more innings. Uh, you know, you look at a guy like John Lester. He led the league in, in uh, hits and, if you believe, runs allowed. Uh, he's going to need to shore things up. And, and Jose Quintana really was very mercurial. Uh, sometimes you thought that, wow, he's, he's back to his old form. And then some. sometimes he was just getting whacked and gave up a lot of homers. So, um, you know, fingers crossed with 85 wins. And who knows, maybe there's more in the tank, but a lot of things have to go right because a lot of guys need bounce-back seasons. Gonzo, the Chicago Cubs are over the luxury tax as you and I have this conversation. The Chicago Cubs in 2019 were over the luxury tax. The Chicago Cubs, if they don't reset this year and go three years over the luxury tax, you're talking about major revenue sharing losses, major penalties, and perhaps affecting not only draft position, but draft picks. Do you think that it's a foregone conclusion that by the trade deadline, Theo and Jed will get this team under the competitive balance tax of 208. Yeah, I think this team's on a short leash. And if, if they won't have the same flexibility, uh, or, or Theo and Jed won't have the same patience they've demonstrated over the last three uh, mid-seasons, I think he's got a short leash on this. Uh, guys really got to come out of it the gate. Uh, taking charge of things, but I think the bigger picture is what you alluded to and this competitive tax threshold that they're, they're currently over right now. So um, they might just need to sell off assets because Theo is stressed all along about the need to address uh, the long-term uh, vision of this franchise, especially when you look at uh, the dearth of starting pitching in the system and the fact that they got three starters right now who are probably going to be free agents next year and they need to replenish that. Gonzo, the contract that Theo signed after the World Series was five years and approximately $50 million. So he's never going to want for anything financially, but he's going to need a challenge. He's only got two years left. Do you believe that Theo Epstein will be a member of the Chicago Cubs front office when the 2022 season kicks off? I don't. I, I really don't. I'm with you. I kind of look at, I kind of look at this situation the way that some people view managers that they have a shelf life. You know, Kenny Williams across the street always says that everybody has an expiration date, and Kenny just keeps going and going. So good for him. But I think just the freight that Theo and his administration have had to carry has been incredibly heavy. Um, they did get their mission accomplished in five years, but there is a need for sustained success. And things have kind of declined quite a bit. I just think just uh, the task of getting back to a championship-caliber uh, franchise is, is really been uh, kind of a very ominous task. And I think that uh, there's been some stumbling blocks uh, as a result. You know, you see some of the, the, the big contracts guys haven't produced that have really harnessed their, 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 their hopes of really – getting guys that can give them length for this franchise. And I think that just in the end, I, I can see him I see him walking away after 2021. So I want to get back to the luxury tax thing for a second, because last year I think it caught a lot of fans, not 
so much the people that cover the team all the time, but I think it caught a lot of the fans by surprise when it became apparent they were not going to even make an offer to Bryce Harper or Manny Machado or any of the key free agents. And everyone thought, all right, well, next winter, after Theo has an 81-minute press conference and said, I'm going to value production over potential, it's a reckoning and blah, blah, blah. And again, nothing gets done. Did A, that surprise you, and B, do you think they realize, hey, man, we're in the final two years of this window. If we're not going to do it now, this next offseason, we have to put the pedal down. Yeah, I thought they should have done something after 2018. I just saw a, a few guys I thought were a little too content. I know they couldn't get what they thought was market value for these guys, but I think sometimes you have to cut your losses. Uh, rearrange the furniture in your living room and, and see if there's something more comfortable. Uh, this off season, it, it surprised me as well that they didn't uh, lose some guys and, and not just Chris Bryant. I thought there were other guys that they might might explore moving, especially because they didn't have the bad years they had in the previous season. But I, I, I know sometimes you know executives uh, tend to overvalue their 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 pl- their own players, and sometimes you need. To, a different set of eyes, but uh, Theo's been so faithful to this this cabinet that uh, we're just gonna have to see how it plays out. But I would have I would have started moving guys two years ago or a year and a half ago anyway. Yeah, that what surprised me, Gonzo, was a year ago when Theo had the press conference in early October of eighteen. Our offense was broken, and they don't fix it. They do nothing except Daniel Descalso, and then. You have issues again with the offense, and you have the team collapse down the stretch, and now it's production over potential, and we're going to have a reckoning, and again, you do nothing. And I know they were hamstrung by the Bryant grievance uh, carrying on till late July, or late January. I get that. But I thought he would have made some other type of move to give him some flexibility. That's what surprised me. Do you think it surprised the industry? I think it did. I really think it did because you can look back to November of 2018 when uh, Buster Olney first reported that Theo was uh, in the exploratory stage of seeing what he could get for, for Chris Bryant. Now, I know the intent was to keep him here, but you got to look long-term sometime. And I think in, in the same time, when you're, when you're kind of like looking at what you can get for a certain guy, other names might pop up. And I think... Um, there might have been a time where you might see, okay, what can we get for player X, player Y, or Z if we're not really truly going to move our big ticket guy? And you kind of set, set the, uh, the landscape there. So I, I, w- I was surprised that there, w- there hasn't been any movement the last two years. Well, it's going to be interesting to see if David Ross – is the reason this team turns things around because they certainly haven't gone out and made many impactful acquisitions, if any. And it the vibe we're getting, you're in camp, I won't be there for a couple weeks, the vibe that's being spun in Chicago is, hey man, Joe didn't hold anybody accountable. It got too loosey-goosey. As one person in the organization said, we got fat and happy after we won it, and now, oh man, we got this ass-kicking David Ross, so everything's going to turn back around. Are you buying what they're selling? Well, I, I will say this, and then I go back to uh, after the 2018 season, I, I saw guys too content. Uh, I think they, I think 
guys saw that, hey, everything's fine, they're not going to do anything, and therefore you had another season where you fell short of expectation. I saw this with the White Sox in, in 2010 and 11. I just saw too many guys that were content that the roster was going to change, and they paid a price for it. And I, and I kind of see this heading down the same road, although I will say that this roster is, is more talented. I think sometimes you have to you have to change things because you keep guys on the toes, keep the carrot dangling. So I I'm I'm not totally buying in on all this. What's going on with with fresh faces? That David's doing a great job so far in the workouts. The, the workouts are brisk, but a little, have a little more intensity. And and Joe's style was just different than that. But I think sometimes the players got to take accountability for it. And I think you know Joe sure needed to change a little bit, but I wouldn't put it all on him. Do you think that? The vibe that's coming out where you've got Javi saying, I wasn't ready to play, stuff was optional or voluntary, and then Joe Madden saying he had philosophical differences with Theo and what worked at 15, 16, 17, suddenly they didn't think it worked, so I had a change and I was resistant to at least the change about the day games. Do you think that both sides are no longer in that, let's split a bottle of wine and tell everyone how great it is phase? Oh, I don't think it'd be a bottle of wine. It might be more, you know, some cheap beer or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I don't see any uh, uh, three-digit bottle of wine being uh, quaffed. Hey, man, appreciate all the knowledge. It's uh, disappointing to look at this team in the middle of a window of contention and realize revenues are off the charts and they haven't done very much to try and take this thing and push it over the goal line. Yeah, and for someone like you who has followed this franchise for five decades plus uh, and know the history and just how elated fans were over after 2016 and the chance for greater riches, uh, it's got to be it's got to be frustrating for those fans who who have seen this little, little decline right now. All the best. See you in Arizona. Thank you. Take care. That is a wrap for our Cubs Talk podcast here on Thursday. We spoke with Mark Gonzalez of the Chicago Tribune, who covers the Cubs each and every day throughout the baseball season. I'm David Kaplan. Don't forget, any breaking news, we'll have emergency Cubs Talk podcast, and we'll bring you at least two a week on the latest goings-on with the Chicago National League Ball Club. Have a great day, everybody. Stay warm out there. Baseball's right around the corner.